I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do this a couple of times a week. You can subscribe at iTunes, Heidi Harris Show for free, of course, and you can catch my live radio broadcast weekdays, 8 to 10 a.m. at 670 a.m. KMZQ in Las Vegas. I've got to say, I'm pretty amused at the change of heart that some environmentalists have had in light of the fact that over 100,000 acres have recently burned in California. And of course, there have been hundreds of thousands of acres prior to that, but most recently, suddenly they seem to have seen the light when it comes to their forestry. The Wall Street Journal talked about that recently in a story where David Edelson was quoted. He's uh, the Sierra Nevada project director of the Nature Conservancy. Told the Wall Street Journal, we need to try new things. Really? You sure, buddy? He said, because what we've done in the past hasn't worked. Are you sure, pal? Jim Brannon, he's the executive officer of the Sierra Nevada Conservancy said having the fuel loads in forests and wildlands reduced is definitely helpful in modifying fire behavior, but it needs to occur at a much greater scale than we are currently doing. Of course, the problem is that a lot of the fire that they're trying to constantly prevent is natural. Fire is a natural element that is often caused by things like lightning and it burns the forest. It's healthy for forests to have fires. And There has been a change in policy for a very long time to put out every fire, no matter what, because people freak out when they see smoke. And fires aren't always bad. Certainly they're bad in inhabited areas, and firefighters are always looking to save lives first, property second, and property, regular property third. But this push to leave the forests alone and not be taking out dead trees or diseased trees obviously doesn't help anybody. But what really irritates me about these green groups is they cause all of us trouble. They spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of resources that, you know, obviously they get their money donated to them by environmentalist kinds of folks, emotional people who don't like to see a forest burning no matter what it is. I mean, listen, the wildlife runs away. If you've got a small fire burning in the forest, the wildlife runs away. Animals that live underground go underground. The deer, you don't see the deer frying. They run. And there's a lot of good that comes out of a fire because of the fuel that's burned off. It's easier for the hawks to find the rabbits, etc., etc. But these green groups that get a lot of donations cause the rest of us a lot of money because municipalities have to pay huge amounts of money to fight lawsuits by these green groups who ultimately aren't right about some of these things, about most of these things, frankly. So it does become my business when these green groups suddenly see the light after they've cost who knows how much in lives and property. In the case of the Woolsey fire, you've got over a thousand structures that have burned. In the case of the other fire, that's the camp fire, they call it, not because it started by a camp fire, but because it started near Camp Road. We don't even know how many people are missing from Paradise, California. I mean, it's just a disaster of ridiculous proportions. And it's going to cost the state a lot of money. And it's going to cost me as a taxpayer a lot of money in higher insurance rates and everything else that is spent to make people whole again. And a lot of these people, let's face it, they're never going to be whole again. There were a lot of people who lived in Paradise, California, which I got to tell you, I'd never heard of until this whole thing happened. And I looked it up and I looked up some real estate. What a beautiful little place. But there were a whole lot of people who lived there who were retired, who lived in things like, uh, you know, mobile homes. If they've lost everything, what are they going to get for their mobile home? $5,000? I mean, mobile homes don't exactly go up in value. In some places, they hold their value pretty well if you live, you know, on a beach or someplace where it's overlooking something amazing. But in general, mobile homes don't hold their value very well. 
So the insurance companies are going to give people a couple of thousand dollars. If they're on a fixed income, what are they going to buy again in California? I mean, it's a disaster for a lot of these people. And I would blame a lot of this on the green groups who constantly fight the idea of utility companies cutting back any trees or people who own private land cutting back any trees or taking out the dead ones or thinning the forest in any way. And they are a huge problem. These guys need to be sued. They honestly should be held accountable for a lot of the procedures that they have fought so hard to put into place. The Wall Street Journal said Mr. Edelson, of course, that's David Edelson of the Nature Conservancy, said he used to sue to block logging plants in national forests as an attorney for another green group. Now he said he sees the need for limited logging because of the drastic and dramatic rise in wildfires. What? Now you've seen the light? See, it drives me crazy when these people suddenly see the light, and unfortunately, they cost a lot of lives and a lot of property damage and a lot of treasure lost as a result of their attitudes. It's crazy. And they get away with this stuff. I mean, they fought this back in the 80s, according to the Wall Street Journal. They were you know, filing lawsuits, and um, apparently they led federal land managers to shut down a wide swath of western forests to logging. So you can't be logging. And there are a lot of trees that are dead. Now, of course, logging includes live trees, too. But in many cases, we're talking about dead and diseased trees that should be removed. Because not only do they cause disease to run rampant among other trees and weaken the entire forest, they cause problems and they provide more fuel. So this is something that I'm no logging expert, but these folks aren't either. These greenies aren't. Let the people who are the forestry experts handle it because they know what they're doing. And you don't see this kind of thing happening on privately owned forests because the people who own forests privately understand the difference. I saw a recently a young lady who was interviewed. I guess she'd been an actress in some TV show and had a huge horse ranch in Malibu. And she was talking about how God had basically stopped the fire near her property. And she walked around the horse corrals. She had a huge farm area and a big pasture. And she walked around the edge of the pasture. And here was the white fence where the horses were fenced in and just to the left of it was actually scorched earth. But when you looked, you saw a huge amount of dirt. She had a huge wide swath of dirt. I don't know how wide it was. I don't know if it was designed to run horses on or if it was an actual barricade, but it stopped the fire. Yes, God's part of it. Sure, I'm um, sure that's true. But she had a huge area where it was just dirt. And you have to be careful about your property, and government needs to stay out of it, and they need to encourage people to thin the forest. And if you don't thin the forest, and they can prove it, then folks need to be held financially accountable. But what happens, whether it's a hurricane in Florida or in the Outer Banks in South Carolina, where I'm paying for people's second homes, we shouldn't be doing this. There are people building houses where they shouldn't be building them, and you and I are always on the hook for it. Now, one of the things that I've advocated for a long time is everybody should have some kind of fire suppression thing on their property. There's a thing called a stand pipe that the fire department uses, you know, to be able to put out fires. Everybody should have a system like that. And there was a guy interviewed in California who would use a system like this that took water out of his pool, 20,000 gallons of water he used on his property over 18 hours to save his house while his neighbor's houses went up one after the other after the other. Now, would that work for every situation? No. Would it work for somebody who couldn't get home when the fire started? No. Would it work for somebody who had to evacuate? No. But bottom line, and this guy was obviously in an evacuation area, it might help the firefighters. And these are the things that people need to take personal responsibility for. You can't just live your life, pay no attention to anything, and then come crying and expect these first responders to actually be able to do everything for you. They can't. 
And there are places people shouldn't be building houses. And if they do, they have to take out additional insurance policies or build these fire suppression systems in their home, which is what this guy in California did. He also had a system in his house that, I guess, worked to suppress the uh, a little embers that would fly into the house. Because a lot of people's houses would burn from the inside out because embers would fly into the system, somehow into the top of the roof, uh, whatever intakes in the roof, and burn. And he realized that when he was building his house, and he made sure that he had a system in place that would do that. So bottom line, everybody needs to take personal responsibility for where they live. You saw the terrible damage done by the hurricane in Mexico Beach down there in the panhandle and almost every house was ruined except for the one guy and a couple others, you know, hotels and stuff, but one guy who had this house and he built it to withstand a hurricane. That's what you should do or you shouldn't be able to live there. Or if you're poor and you can't afford to build something hurricane proof, then you shouldn't be able to get insurance on it. That's it. That's the way it should work. But I get irritated at these greenies because they cost us all so much money in the ridiculous lawsuits. And I'm not saying we shouldn't protect the environment. Everybody knows we should protect the environment. Nobody wants the forest clear cut. Nobody wants everything destroyed. But by the same token, we have to be honest about it. And good forestry management is responsible management. You know, for example, if you go to, to a place like Maine, my husband and I went there on vacation a couple of years ago. I don't know anything about East Coast fishing, but we were talking to the lobstermen, took a lobster cruise and this and that. And, you know, they regulate very carefully how much lobster gets pulled out of the ocean every year. I think it's like 60 million pounds or something. But bottom line, if you let everybody take it all, there'd be no lobster harvest for next year. So I get it that you have to control what goes on, whether it's fishing or, you know, the lobstermen or whatever. I understand that, that resources need to be protected. But the people who are going to protect them most are the people who are affected by them the most. And those are the people who, for example, own the forest or fish the lobster, and they've all got to get together and agree that they're not going to take every single lobster out of the ground, and they're not going to take one that's too small, and they're not going to take the females or whatever the laws are back there regarding lobsters. But there are a lot of laws. So yes, we need to protect the environment. Yes, we need to take care of our resources. But we have to stop being cowed by these environmentalists who wait until there's tremendous damage, and they go, oh, you mean we should be taking out the dead trees? Hmm. You need to stop these guys. We need to stand up to them. And unfortunately, when you try to stand up to these people, then you're considered uh, a person who doesn't care about the environment. I actually had people on my Facebook page who accused me of not caring about local pollution because I was talking about global warming and the ridiculous laws people are trying to put into place to so-called combat global warming, climate change, extreme weather, whatever they call it this week. No, I'm not for polluting locally. Of course I'm not. But you look at the weather, for example, Governor Jerry Brown in California is complaining about global warming. In the northeast of the country, they're having the coldest Thanksgiving on record, on record. It's that cold in November. Where's the global warming? It snowed in Houston a couple of weeks ago, and it snowed in Birmingham, Alabama, for heaven's sake. So where's the climate change? Extreme weather, if we were changing the climate, if we were changing the planet, everything would be consistently warmer or colder or whatever it is they want to claim this week. It's not drier everywhere. It's not warmer everywhere. It's called weather. And we need to stand up to these people who are trying to push policies that do absolutely nothing, whether they're the Nature Conservancy or anybody else. They're misguided, they don't get it, and they run on emotion and they... 
Unfortunately, they are funded by emotional people who love the planet, who love Bambi and all of that, not understanding that Bambi's home occasionally needs to be burned and Bambi will be just fine. I'm Heidi Harris. Don't forget, you can catch me live weekdays, 8 to 10 a.m. at 670 a.m. KMZQ in Las Vegas. And my book is a great stocking stuffer. My latest book's called Don't Pat Me on the Head, Blowbacks, Setbacks, and Comebacks in Vegas Radio. You can pick it up at Amazon, and you can check out the link at HeidiHarris.com. You can also check out my podcast there and my blog posts, and I also do some, um, uh, I've done some excerpts of my book there at HeidiHarris.com. You can check that out too. Until we meet again, remember that God is always in control and you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scott. Russell.